0: You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. We're going to be in a book called First Thessalonians, so open your Bible, and uh, this is going to be, I'm titling this message, A Passionate Goodbye, as the Apostle Paul here is actually saying goodbye uh, to the church. He's sort of farewell in his in his letter here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And it doesn't outline very well, to be honest with you. So I'm going to keep this, especially in light of our weather, more brief today. Uh, but I'm going to call this a passionate goodbye. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, follow in your Bible or on your digital device if you care to. For the apostle will say this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. All right, let me just pause here and pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you now asking God that by every power of the Holy Spirit that you would come to us and make yourself known. That you change our lives, God, right now. That you come in the power of the Holy Spirit and speak to us for your people want to listen and learn from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. amen, amen. So the Apostle Paul, as he's saying these words, uh, again, it's a passionate goodbye. He's saying goodbye to the Thessalonians for the moment. He's been with them for three weeks. There's been a time gap. He's writing back to them. He's had a number of instructions for them, and we'll get into that right now in this way. For part of what the Apostle Paul has said in the beginning of the book, he's talking about this word called disciple and discipleship. So if you don't know what a disciple is, just write down or just tap in your device that it's a learner, the learner of Jesus Christ—that's what a disciple is. And so, if you think about all the different ways that we're learning in life, some of those are, are for our professional careers, and a, of course, that's appropriate. Whether whatever your job is, whatever your career is, you're going to be learning that trade, learning that craft, getting better and better at that. I hope that's you. But then we also have false ways of learning about life, and there's all kinds of gurus out there, and you never want Google to be your pastor, for example. You never want Google to be your Bible as another example. You don't want to turn to YouTube for your knowledge base. You want to turn to the scriptures for your knowledge base. And what we're gathering together here as a church to say, to proclaim to one another, and to proclaim to God on high, is that He is the Lord and King of the universe, and that we are learners, And we're going to learn from Jesus. We're going to learn from the miracle worker. We're going to learn from the Savior of our souls. We're going to learn from the one who loves us, even when we're disgusting. And and even if you're really moral, but in all those private ways that we would never want your sin, like, you know, put up on a screen right here. You wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. But in that privacy of your soul, God loves you, even at your worst. And there's nobody like that on planet Earth. And so we're saved. We come to Christ to be saved. And so to be a disciple is to say to Jesus, I want to learn from you. I want to learn about God from you. I want to learn how to get my prayers answered from you. Shall be shouting amen to that one? right? I want to learn. I want to learn about Christ. And I want it to affect my life. And I want it to affect my life, my family, and my community, and my church. I want to walk on planet earth here as a man and woman. I want to walk blessed of God. So I want to learn from Jesus. And I'm not going to get that from Google. I'm not going to get that from YouTube. I'm only going to get it from this. I'm going to get it from the word of God. Isaiah says that God honors his word above his name. And if you're new to this and you don't understand much about that, understand that for God, he has his name, just like you have a name. And you want to go by your personal name. And God's first first orientation of his name is Yahweh, which is a spectacular name that talks about the very existence. He is the one who authored things into existence. And so to honor his word above his name is an incredible thing. And so he honors he honors his word. And so that's all about being a disciple, which is why Paul says, we, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and, and who in the Lord admonish you. And, and as he goes on here in verse, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And so, so listen, that's not just That's a reference to the pastor of the church, but it's actually way beyond that. I'm really glad about that. You're gonna notice that this section doesn't speak about the pastor, although it includes him so take, for example, myself here. Okay, yeah, I'm praying. I'm chilling with the Lord. Uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, in light of today because, you know, with the weather, it's like, hey, we're going to, we call it, we we sort of have like a rain protocol. So, hey, we're going to shorten everything down. We're going to make things a lot tighter. And so I'm looking at my notes going, okay, not that, (laughs) and not that, and not that. And, you know, let's get out of here, you know, Quicker because of our circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so then I show up and I, I hug everybody, I greet everybody, I high-five everybody, yes, and then and then I do my thing. Hours before I stand in this spot, people are here wiping these benches down. And they are the true heroes of serving God, not me. <laughs> And, uh, and 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 so, sometimes even when it's chilly, believe it or not, people are taking these these blankets home to to put them in the dryers to warm them, bring them back, and you know that was even tried and and uh, didn't work that well. And anyway, and, and there's others for children's ministry doing the same, and the, and there's those with all the logistical with the band. Anyway, there's just on and on and on it goes. Those people, and the Bible says right here. Love them. Like they, they, do, they do that unto the Lord. They don't, they don't even trust me. They don't even want me to bring them in front of church and acknowledge that. They're not that kind of people. They're not that kind of folk. They're, they're, they're just simple servants of Christ, salt of the earth, salt of the kingdom. They don't want anything but an opportunity to serve. And the scripture here says, well, then esteem them highly and love them. They so treasure that word from the apostle Paul here that he says that, to just honor and love those. We don't really honor people in our society very well. We really uh, have that all so backward. Uh, We don't really honor people of high character. We tend to view athletes or famous people or that kind of Person as someone to honor, and then we're shocked when we find out that that athlete, or person, or whatever is a person of low character or contrary character. What in their life made you think other than their little skill set that they were someone to value? Nothing. <laughs> Nor were they saying that half the time. And so these salt of the earth servants, the Bible is saying, those people love and honor them. And it's incredible. Incredible, and I pray that our church is always always like that, and always like that for those who are serving in that manner. So this word here, I want to kind of emphasize verse 12, this word admonish. So this word admonish, and uh, it has an interesting meaning. It, it, it's somewhat related to the idea of warning. Uh, it's also related to speaking the truth. And so admonish is, is just an idea of that that you need in your life to grow in Christ. Remember, we talk about being a disciple? That's somebody who's learning. We're learning. So if you're learning from Christ, you need to be in a church, you need to be in some sort of church community where people can admonish you. So here's what it means: it means that you're willing to have people in the body of Christ remind you of the boundaries that God has over your life. In other words, we're not a cult here. Like It's not like, don't do as I say, do as God says. and, and, and so, so But in doing that, we're going to open the book and tell one another, this is actually what God says. And so be careful, brother and sister, to not go beyond, as the Bible says, what is written. Don't do that. And be careful. And let the scriptures speak into every area of your life, the economics of your life, the sexuality of your life, your personal life, your relationships in your life, let the Bible speak into every single area of your life and realize God has boundaries around that. God wants to teach you how to say no to things. Why does God want to teach you how to say no to things? You ever thought about this? Why would God want to teach you to say no to things? Okay, church, come on. Come and work with me here. Okay, it is so that you can be free. That's why. Have you ever gone and been silly enough to try and say yes to everything? Okay, so we've all gone through seasons of that. Your pastor is pretty bad at that, actually. Or I used to be, in a much younger day, when I was a much younger man, I'd say yes, and yes, and yes, and I'd flounder at half of these things, or I'd be stressed out about so many of these things. And, of course, we're all some degree like that. The power is the righteousness of Christ in us to actually help us to say no. Because most of life and happiness and satisfaction is understanding, you know, good, better, best. And so what is it, the wisdom and discernment of that? Well, I can only get there if I've learned how to say no to things. So, so admonishing, this word admonishment, which here in your Bible is saying, are you in a position... See, are you in a position where you're taking your life voluntarily, willfully, within a body of believers, within a church, who are actually able to remind you of the boundaries that God has around you so that you grab hold of that righteousness and learn how to say no to things that are not good for you? For the sake of freedom. For the sake of prosperity. For the sake of love. For the sake of your families. For the sake of glory of God. I'll tell you something that we stumble upon as disciples, that we, we, tend to, we tend to sort of stumble along this principle of sort of three things that I'll get at related to disciple and the idea of saying no. There's, a, there's three things that are true of, of disciples that are sort of promised by Jesus. You can write this down. The first is that the disciple of Jesus, as they have this admonishment, as they have this righteousness, the first thing that they learn is that they're fearless. I mean, they really are disciples. Actually, have a boldness, and they learn, and they learn that they're fearless. The second thing is that they learn that that they're absurdly happy, like disciples of Jesus. You know, we 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 can somewhat be obnoxious, to be honest with you. You know, it really is true, and and there's just no other way to say that because because we can be suffering. And the Bible says we can be suffering and yet rejoicing, and so we'll acknowledge our sufferings, we'll acknowledge our hardships, but yet we're also rejoicing. And so then sometimes, sometimes we're not suffering, and we're really rejoicing, and we're obnoxious in our rejoicing. Like, oh, that's just so obnoxious. You guys are like that. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right? I've, I've heard that before. I'm like, yeah, man, we're going to praise the Lord together, you know? So sometimes to be a disciple is, 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 is to have, have, have this fearlessness, but also be absurdly happy Second. And then third, this is what Jesus promised, you're also in constant trouble. Disciples are a big bunch of troublemakers, right? They just really are. We're just, so, so we have this sort of idea here about being a disciple. We are actually fearless and happy, and we're also in trouble a lot, right? Because God is asking us to step into places of faith, and, 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 and I know some of you like this, and I pray our churches like this. We go, oh, because I've heard you even this morning. You know, like oh, pastor, I opened my mouth there. What would you say? Oh, you said the right thing. Yeah, okay, I get that. Nature of being a disciple. So we admonish one another, and we want to place ourselves in this place of admonishment where we are actually able to understand God's boundaries around our lives so continuing on now in verse thirteen, I love this phrase that says, Be at peace among yourselves. So everyone, I just go there with me, okay, church. Like let's let's do this. Everyone say the word peace. Go. Peace. Okay, I should just say amen and walk off. Everybody say the word peace. peace. All right, a little better. All right, we'll let it go. 11 o'clock hour, I must have slept in today. The church is actually the labor to be at peace among itself. And that's not easy, if you're thinking, because we're all human. And so the nature of human relationships is somewhere along the line, we hurt somebody else's feelings, and we get our own feelings hurt. And then what do we do with that? well, that's the issue, right? <laughs> so sometimes we hide, sometimes we don't, sometimes we get angry, it all kind of depends. Sometimes we gossip and say the wrong things, right? Sometimes we put a religious or spiritual covering over that. Scripture says, be at peace. The Apostle Paul here planted this church over three weeks, at the Thessalonians. And they became a tremendous witness to the rest of Europe that they were just incredible and they did it at the sacrifice of their lives. Rome didn't like them. Greece didn't like them. And so the politics didn't like them. They were going to serve. They weren't going to serve Caesar. They are going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But in all of that, there's still nonetheless the need for us to remind ourselves to be at peace as a church, to be at peace among one another, Make sure that we're working through our offenses. Make sure that we're actually laying down our offenses. Not holding on to things, because you're not supposed to hold on to it anyway. And if you think about forgiveness, right? So Jesus Christ went to the cross to forgive you, and he is going to tell you, you know all the ugliness in your life that I forgave you for, but I love you anyway? Then do it unto me, the same unto others. You love those who offend you, do it unto me. If you can't do it for yourself, you can't do it for your family, you can't do it for your church, then Christ, risen from the dead, says, Then will you do it to me as a child of God? Amen. Then do it, do it unto me, and forgive, and love, and bless, and do not curse, and watch what I do with your life. Yeah, be at peace among yourselves. That would make your pastor very happy and to make our church all the more wonderful. I'm not going to belabor this, but we'll get into verse 14 here for a minute. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. So this first word, the second word here, admonish, that's actually different than the first word. Actually, the King James so I'm in an English Standard Version, which is a little translation, but actually in this section of Scripture, my King James brothers in the church have it on me because the idea of admonishment actually works strong for the first version of the first word here. The second one is actually a little different. If you know your Bible, you've been in Bible study much, there's a Greek word called parakaleo. So it's actually the word for paraclete. It simply means to come alongside. That's the second word that's used here under admonishment. It's a correct translation, but it doesn't bring out the fullness. And so in this sense, I have to give it to my King James brothers and sisters. You guys are looking at me right now. You're going to, you all want to come up here and give me a high five. I know you do. And so the idea of that is I urge you church. I urge you ranch church to come alongside the idol. Okay. So there are some people that you're just not going in life. And what you need to do is get going in life. <laughs> you know, that's, it's just that simple. I mean, sometimes we make it more complicated. So I'm really glad everyone's here today. It's awesome. There are other people that need to get the message, like you want to get going in life, get to church on Sunday. It starts at 11 o'clock. Give me a break. You can have a second breakfast and still be there on time, right? So, so sometimes you just need to get going and get over yourself, And 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 stop every kind of excuse and just get going. And so that's the nature of the idol here. And I know that. I I I can I can personally relate because when I make decisions, I like to think about them. I mean, I really like to think about them. I like to think about them. And so sometimes, like you, you know, the decision, the Holy Spirit comes to go, Pastor, you're gonna get going? I wanna think about it more. Lord says, No, I want you to get going. I'd like to think about it a lot more. No. And then, of course, God will put the heat on the environment. And I'm like, Well, I don't like you making me feel uncomfortable, Jesus. Well, I told you to get going. Right? It's all of that between the Lord. Sometimes with idle people, what you have to tell them that you're ministering to is simply to get going in life. And they will see the fruits of that, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. I love this. See, Paul here, he's saying goodbye. It's a passionate goodbye. So encourage the faint-hearted. Let me give you some some rules about encouraging the faint-hearted. Here's what we want to do as human beings with people who might be faint-hearted. We want to tell them a story of when we were faint hearted, and try and encourage them with that story by telling them a story of us. And guess what? It doesn't work. And then we get offended because we're like, well, I told them the story of when I got it right and they didn't buy it because they don't need it. That's not how it's going to work. When you have people who are faint hearted, here's what you do it's really simple, don't miss it. Church, are you with me here? Okay. You tell them that they can do it. You tell them that the Lord can do it. You tell them that you love them and will be their friend. That's what you do. Listen, friend, I'll tell you about Jesus in a moment, but I want you to know you can do that. You can go get that job. Okay, you can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go online and help you apply or whatever. You can get that job. You can work this marriage out you can be that kind of parent, you know, whatever it is. And so so you can do it. And guess what? You're going to feel weak. Even as I tell you, you can do it. You're going to say, well, I don't know how to do it. The Lord will do it in and through you as you trust him. Okay, And I love you and I'm your friend. If you, most people who ever hear that, and we don't hear that enough at all, But most people who hear that, it's like lighting them on a rocket and just sending them because who hears that? Most of the time you go through your day, especially if you're a professional, you're hearing negativity and negativity and negativity. And then as you just go through your day anyway, people are putting their trips on you and all of their junk on you. Grab the faint hearted, the gospel says. Grab them and encourage them. Encourage them and put that courage of Christ into them and do it as I just communicated. Listen, help the weak. So help the weak. That is the idea generally of kind of going the extra mile and and understanding that you need to maybe, you know, if you're helping them apply for a job, as I use that illustration, so then maybe they have to come over to your house and get on your computer and then you're helping them through. But help the weak. Be patient with them all. Well, that's, that's incredible because uh, when you think about being patient, that's not easy. And to do it in love. Do it in patience. I, uh, I want to go real quickly with this, uh, just related to being patient with them all. And then we'll run for home here. I just want to talk about Jesus in John's gospel, starting in John chapter 1. And I'm just going to reference something here. You can just write this down. Uh, but in John chapter one verse nineteen, it's uh, John the Baptist, and uh, also him talking about his baptism, the baptism of Jesus. And so, so here he's patient with this event. But then when you go on and you get into chapter two, Jesus is calling his first disciples, and of course they don't know anything, and they still. Years later, wouldn't really know anything. And then, of course, he's going to get into calling uh, Philip and Nathaniel, and he's going to explain himself there. And so here he's calling his followers to himself, and he's doing it patiently, and it looks so very different. And I know that's one of my challenges. Like, boy, trying to love people as it looks so different is such a challenge. But then in John chapter 2, all of a sudden, it's something that Jesus isn't necessarily wanting to do, and it's the wedding at Cana. And now he's at the wedding at Cana. And he's, he says to his mom, he goes, it's not my time. But he's going to be patient, and he's going to do a miracle. Then John chapter 3, he's going to be with Nicodemus. So think about, just think about the elasticity of this. He goes from John the Baptist, he's the Lamb of God, then he's calling his disciples, and then, and then now, now he's into this wedding of Cana, and then lastly he's with Nicodemus, and he's patient with all. Christ is so patient with you. He is. He is intimately patient with you. And he bids you to come home to him, uh, which is actually uh, what he is asking even right now. So as we run for home, lastly, verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Boy, I would just like to, you know, put that on every search engine, you know, on the template, right? Wouldn't that be great, a search engine? See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. I'd like to put that on every social media platform. You know, I'd like to put that on every place people work, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. What an incredible, incredible call that is. Being a disciple of Christ is these step-forward moments that you have in life. You just step forward. That's what it is. And you're not going to know everything. Like, I wanted to know everything. I'm glad I didn't know everything. And it's a blessed life. But if you're, if you're the person who simply says, I, you know, I need to know. Pastor, I give my life to Christ and become a disciple of Christ. What's going to happen to me? I have a great answer for you. Are you listening, church? I don't know. I don't know. All I can tell you is that you're going to have a connection with God that is going to cement a relationship with God, that is going to take your life in the direction with God, and that it will actually be powerful, it will be sweet, it will be beautiful, it will be abundant, it will be blessed, and you'll have challenges to overcome. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the beginning of that is what I want to do now with my prayer team. I want to invite my prayer team up here. Guys, Would you guys just come up here real quickly right now? And here, here, is, here is what I want to ask my church. And uh, I, I believe that our church today just needs to fall down before God. In fact, that's what I was almost going to call this message, fall down before God. But I believe we just need to fall down before God. And I believe some of you just might need to weep to let something go. And some of you might need to confess something to actually let something go. Others, if you have like a burden and you just need to say, pray for me. But this is the beginning of a spiritual revival for you. This is it. This is the beginning of a spiritual revival. You have to have this action moment, this action step for you to actually come and visit with these beautiful people here who are going to pour the kingdom of God down upon your life, but you have to have the vulnerability to say, I need, I need you to help me get rid of this burden. And so here's how it works around here, church. Here's how it works. Okay, so band's not playing or that kind of thing. I didn't tip them off to that. I'm not going to bring them up at all, at all. Here's what it is. It requires moral courage. It requires spiritual courage. Are you with me, church? And so that means right here, right now, boldly, you have a burden. you got to get rid of it. You need to get out of your seat right where you're at and come visit with one of these, and they're just going to pray for you in the removal of that burden. So can you do that right now? Right here, right now, if that's you, you might feel some anxiety, but you need to get, get out of your seat and come forward right now and receive prayer and release that burden. And I'm asking you to do it right now. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.